0: Welcome to Perspectives with Mike Sherbino, the daily show that takes the week's current issues and unpacks them through the lens of scripture. Perspectives helps you navigate life by answering the questions, where is God in the midst of all this? Join Mike for the next 25 minutes as he opens the Bible to give you hope, direction and perspective for this journey called life. Now, here's your host and Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Sherboneau
1: welcome to perspectives today and we're in the final leg of psalm 23 the journey to graceland and today and tomorrow my hope is to unpack this wonderful verse 6 where he says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever today we want to talk about the legacy of grace that is given to us. And that little phrase, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, I'm not sure what goes through your mind. Uh, let me share some of the things in my own. And I was pondering last night as we we're watching the evening news. We often, uh, my wife and I, watch it just before we go to bed. And I'm not sure that's the best thing to do because it is always uh, pretty depressing, the things that are happening the the sad things that are happening. But I have noticed that it's easy to become desensitized to the number of people who are dying. And as I saw the numbers, the statistics come up on the screen of how many had died today because of COVID-19, uh, my mind has been pondering that number. And uh, To the country, whether it's in the States or whether it's in Canada, it is just a number. But to families, it represents, each number represents a person. And each person leaves behind a legacy. And I I ponder much, what is the legacy that I am going to leave behind? And whether it's uh, the government who leaves a legacy or whether it is your family, you and I leave a legacy. Uh, we are remembered for certain things by certain people, and especially those who are close to us. I remember asking one of my daughters a long time ago, what you would want to remember me for? And I jotted them down, and every once in a while, I come back and review these things. She mentioned four things. She said, well, first of all, I want to remember you as being available. And then secondly, she said, I want you to be a role model. And then there's the third thing. She said, be real, Dad. Practice what you preach. And then the fourth thing was, be a friend. Be available, be a role model, be real, be a friend. That sounds like an outline for a message that maybe I should preach someday. And as we think about that, we think about the legacy that we leave behind. We find here in the scripture, David talks about the legacy that God has given to each of us. Because he says, surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. As we think about legacy, we have an opportunity today to rewrite some of the legacy that we will leave behind. We have our failures. We have our mistakes. But today, moving forward, can be a day when... People remember you not for what you were, but for who you have chosen to be right now in the present, and as you move forward with the life that God gives you to live. Many of you have followed recently the uh, the passing of the uh, great uh, apologist and biblical thinker Rabbi Zacharias, and I've been reading many of the comments that have come in about his life and his legacy. Again, that word jumps up. Um, we might know famous people. We look at them like a Ravi Zacharias or someone else who has caught headlines and suddenly their life is over, whether it's a movie star or perhaps it's a writer and, or a politician. And we think about certain things. But what about the rank and file? What about just the ordinary person? Let's call this guy Hank. He had attended church since he was a boy, and now he was in his 60s. He was known by everyone, but no one really knew him. He had difficulty in loving his wife. His children could not speak freely with him and felt no affection from him. He was not concerned for the poor, had little tolerance for those outside the church, and tended to judge harshly those who were inside. And one day, an elder in the church asked him, "'Hank, are you happy?' And without smiling, he responded, yes. Well, then replied the elder, tell your face. Hey, Hank didn't change over time and no one expected him to, but he could have. He could have if he had had that encounter with the Holy Spirit and if he had been open to responding in obedience. And today, God wants to tell not just your face, he wants to tell your heart that it can change, that you can be that new creation in Christ that he has called you to be, that you can leave a legacy whenever your life is over that people will remember, that will have impacted lives in ways that we could only hope for. You see, we think about what David is writing in Psalm 23. He says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And he talks about a gift that God passes on to us. God's goodness can be passed on. Well, what is it that's passed on first and foremost? It's his reputation. And reputation is linked to legacy. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. For being held in high esteem is better than having silver or gold. Friends, a great reputation is something that you can't buy. You don't get it by associating with the right people. It is really all about who you are when no one else is looking. It reads, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them about your neck. Write them on the table of your heart. And and that's the passage out of Proverbs. The question, of course, that we have to ponder today is, What are you known for? What kind of name do you and I have? God wants you to have a great reputation a great name. I suppose, if anything, I want to be known as a child of God, and I've never met anyone who has been faithful to God to the end who has regretted it. But I've seldom met a person who, when finishing school, said, I regret doing it. And possibly in the midst of the study, they've had doubts, but when it is over, oh, they were glad they hung in there. Why be faithful to the Lord? Why be a person who is faithful in relationships, because it is a blessing that God gives to those in his family. David had seen this modeled by the Lord himself. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Hey, your name is connected with your words and your ways. If I say the name Donald Trump or Justin Trudeau, we know that what many people will think. I can mention other politicians Or I could mention other celebrities. And we immediately think about the person's ways. We think about their words. But people, when their ways and words are the same, the fusion is explosive. You see, God promises a good name, not only with him, but with others. People will know we are Christians, not because we bear the name, but because we live the life. It's the life that earns the name, not the name that creates the life. I came across a story years ago about a Jewish couple who were arguing over the name to give their firstborn. They finally asked the rabbi to come and intercede. What's the problem, the rabbi asked. The wife spoke first. He wants to name the boy after his father. And I want to name the boy after my father. Well, what's your father's name, he asked the man. And the answer was Joseph. And what is your father's name? He asked the woman. She said, it is Joseph. The rabbi was stunned. So what is the problem? Help me to understand it. And the wife said, his father was a horse thief and mine was a righteous man. How can I know my son is named after my father and not his? And the rabbi thought and then replied, call the boy Joseph. And then see if he is a horse thief or a righteous man. You will know by which father's name he wears. You see, friends, to call yourself a child of God is one thing. To be called a child of God by those who watch your life is another thing. It's a special thing when your name and actions are fused together, and God wants to give you a great reputation. In this phrase, Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. We see not just a great reputation, but the word is brimming over with what we would call reliability. Goodness is a word that just brims over with this whole notion of a God who is saying that my goodness shall follow you and the very character of God is his reliability. Hey, let me read from Acts 20, verse 24. There the Apostle Paul says, But my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. And then in Acts 20, verse 31, he says, Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you, night and day, and my many tears. For you. When I read about that in the life of Paul, I see reliability. When I come to what David writes in Psalm 23 about the Lord, about the Bedouin Shepherd, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And because of the God who he was following, David as well had learned that he could pass on this incredible gift of reliability. You see, Paul in the book of Acts talks about his constant care for the church. He's not bragging. He's just stating the case. And throughout history, leaders in the church have modeled the consistency of Paul. Wherever you are today, you can begin to do that as well. God's goodness, his reliability, as much as they are there for us, are to be what we pass on to our children. I want to pass on reliability to my five daughters, Dependability of character. I should know that because that was something my dad passed on to me. I don't want to bore you with sappy family stories, but you know, stories are what we are made up of. I had a, a younger brother who had Down syndrome and and his handicap was was quite severe, but my dad saw it as a labor of love. And the day that he was born, I remember I was seven years old. He came home from the hospital and my dad was saying words that a seven-year-old just didn't understand. It took me time to internalize it. He said in hushed tones, the doctors have said that we should lock him up, that we should put him away in an institution. That's what they did 45 or 50 years ago. But dad said, no, he said, Stephen is a gift of God and I'm going to bring him home and I will care for him. And that is exactly what he did. And when I think back, it was about 15 years ago, I was living on the West Coast, and I flew to Toronto for some work, but also to see my folks. And I picked them up at the airport, and we went out for dinner. But at that time, my brother was in an extended care for senior citizens, most of whom were senile and incontinent. But he didn't seem to mind because he could wheel all those dear elderly people around in their wheelchairs and they let him play his music as loud as he wanted. (laughs) Stephen, in many ways, thought, oh, this is heaven on earth. And he loved to play music loud and he would laugh at everybody who would want him to turn it down. And I remember picking Stephen up for the evening and my parents, and we all went out for dinner. Dad was about 85 at that time and would always go to the nursing home at night to shave my brother, give him his medication, and put him to bed. And as some would call my dad stubborn as a mule, I know that I did, but I also came to see him as extremely reliable. And years ago when he prayed, he prayed that God would give him the strength to outlive his son, that he could care for him all the days of his life. And God answered that prayer. That night, I let my dad, I said, Dad, why don't you stay home? And I'll go and shave Stephen and I'll put him to bed. And he reluctantly agreed to let me do that. But it was almost like a rite of passage. He was entrusting me with that gift of being reliable, something that he passed on to me that I saw him model to my brother. And when ways and your actions fuse together, it becomes a powerful statement. God's goodness is what he wants to pass on to us, and we pass it on in the form of reliability. I'm so thankful that God is good, that he is faithful. He is the God who never changes, the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what else is brimming in this little word of goodness? It also refers to our perspective on suffering. When I think of suffering, there are many things that come to mind, but I think of Joseph. I think of Joseph, the one who was sold by his brothers uh, to a band of uh, Midianites, to slave traders. They take him to Egypt. He's tossed in a jail for a crime that he didn't commit. And one thing after another, yet God raises him to a place of prominence. And 17 years later, his brothers have come under his own care. Many of you know the story. It's found in the first book of the Bible, which is called Genesis. And when Joseph's and his brother's father had passed away, they're fearful that now he's going to bring judgment upon them for their treatment of their younger brother. But Joseph had this to say in chapter 50 and verse 20. He said, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position I have today so I could save the lives of, of many people. As we think of God's goodness, it helps us to get a perspective on suffering. If you ever feel like you've been unjustly treated, that life gave you more than you could bear, then the life of Joseph is the one whose life seems to best describe this meaning in the word goodness. It is this aspect of goodness which helps us to look around the corner and realize that heaven is waiting. Goodness gives us God's perspective in suffering and injustice, that God is working out his plans even when we don't understand it. Oh, isn't that the word that we need for COVID-19? That God is working out his plans even when we don't understand it. It says that his goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. What does that mean? Is that true? Is this a promise that we can really hang our hat on? I believe when it comes to promises like this, there are three ways to look at them. The promises that God gives us are often validated in life. And if that is the case, and you're experiencing his goodness in a tangible way right now, rejoice and give thanks. If you're blessed with health and wealth, share it. If you've experienced God's faithfulness, stand with someone who for whatever reason feels like they've been abandoned. Many of the saints felt that even though it wasn't true. And then I also have learned that the promises of God, while they're often validated in life, they are often realized after a gap in time for the purpose of character development or the purpose of God. The choice you would have to make at times will be, even though I don't see the answer that I want, I will choose to wait on the Lord and believe that his timing is best. For Joseph to be able to say this to his brothers over 17 years had gone by. He had two trips to jail. He'd gone through all sorts of challenging and depressing and discouraging situations. And yet, God had a plan. And part of that plan was so that he would be raised up to keep the world from being facing starvation. He told the leader of Egypt, the Pharaoh, that they needed to stockpile for seven years And the Pharaoh let him do that. He said, you can run the country. And Joseph ran the country and kept it from starvation. And interestingly, he also saved his own father and his brothers. And it was through them, of course, that the nation of Israel was birthed. And so we see with God's promises, they're often validated in life. Sometimes they come about after a gap in time. But his promises will always be fully realized in the life to come. And the hope for the Christian is that one day we will see God and that we will worship at his feet. Wrongs will be righted and we will see that God's ultimate purpose for our lives cannot be thwarted. This is the hope of the believer. And this is the sense that is packed up when it says your goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And when we rest in that, we can pass that on as part of our legacy. I want my kids to know that it's the goodness of God that I bank my life on. They have seen me go through difficult times, go through hard times. We have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. We've walked through the valley of cancer. We've walked through the valley of unemployment. I've experienced these things. And I know, and I know that I know that God's goodness is still with me. And the other day I was journaling and saying, God, why, why do I have to wait? And it was almost as if he was saying back to me, you know the answer. Sometimes he said, Michael, I don't reveal to you everything that you need to know, but I'm inviting you to trust. And the scripture says we're to trust in God with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Part of our legacy is to walk in the goodness of God himself, that He has demonstrated to us, that He extends to us. And as I walk in His goodness, then I can pass that on through my example to my own children, to the people that I pastor, to the people that cross my path. I want them to know that God's goodness is following me. But there's another word here. It says, your goodness and mercy shall follow me. Hey, as we wrap up the talk for today, it would be a huge mistake Do not presume that you're asking the question, how is this possible for God's goodness and mercy to follow us? Well, I have a great answer. It all depends on God. Remember in the earlier um, broadcast on Psalm 23, we talked about our need to be restored to God in verse 3. Well, and we reminded ourselves it's, it's almost as if we have permanent marks in the carpet of our lives I was referencing that story when we were newly married of my wife would vacuum the living room in such a way that if I even stepped on it, I would leave my footprint. And she would say, have you been in there? And as much as I'd try to deny it, there was just no escaping the reality. You could see the marks in the carpet and that's like sin in our lives. we It's almost as if we have permanent marks in the carpet of our lives and we go through, and as we go through life, We have this provision of God for us as fallen individuals that his mercy shall follow me. It's David who is writing this. He is the one who committed adultery, murder, and whose pride had caused the death of over 70,000 in Israel. If you've ever sinned, and you and I have, we find comfort in David's journey. You see, it's one thing to have goodness follow us, but we need mercy. And mercy is God holding back what we deserve and that is judgment. There is forgiveness with the Lord, and mercy carries with it the picture of an ink blotter. Do you remember those back from grade school days? I remember if my fountain pen leaked, the blotter would soak it up, and Christ's death on the cross, his blood soaked up my sin. That truth is there for those who are turning to him today for the first time, and for those who have sinned after calling him your Lord. That truth is there for me. You see, mercy takes the marks out of the the carpet, and that becomes our spiritual comfort. Psalm 103, verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. And in Deuteronomy, he writes, But I lavish my love on those who love me and obey my commands, even for a thousand generations. He is saying to you and I today to come home. It's the embrace of a parent towards a child who has hurt them. Like the prodigal son, the father is holding out his arms, waiting to embrace him. His love is there for them. And this is the, the heritage that David is walking in and that he's passing on. He says, your goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. But there's something else as well in this beautiful word, mercy. There's not just spiritual comfort that it's there for us, but it's a restorative touch. And if we think about God's legacy of mercy, it's that he takes what was once broken and useless and he restores it and makes it better than ever. Do you remember when Jesus met the leper in Mark 1 verse 41? It says, move with pity. Jesus reached out and touched him and he said, be healed. Not just on the outside, but the healing was there on the inside as well. And that's the picture of God's mercy. It is the restorative touch of God. I don't know if you remember me sharing uh, several broadcasts ago how I restored a chair for my wife way back in the days before we were even uh, engaged. And the dear old man that helped me restore that chair, he said, if you do a good enough job... He said, you might get to use it one day yourself. And I repaired that old chair. We put in new spindles and restored it to its original beauty. Well, that's what God does for you and me. When it says his goodness and mercy follow us as we experience them, I want you to extend those to the generation to follow. You want to leave a legacy, leave a legacy of goodness and mercy. But you know, before I could ever hope to pass on those things to my daughters, I myself needed to be restored. And just like I repaired that chair and restored it and I passed it to my wife-to-be, the day will come when I'll pass it on to my daughters for them to have, for them to use. What a legacy God gives us. What a picture we find in the scriptures that his goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. We are broken people. We are broken people who have a savior who loves us, who wants to restore us today so that we can share that good news with other people. Friend, can I remind you today, none of us are beyond the reach and the restorative touch of the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the guardian shepherd, who loves you and cares for you and will be with you forever.
0: Thanks for being a part of our broadcast today. To get any of your favorite broadcasts with Mike or to support this ministry, just go to our website, MikeSherbino.org. If you would like to know more about what it means to be a Jesus follower or need help navigating life's challenges, we invite you to go to www.MikeSherbino.org and click on the button, Talk to a Mentor. You will also find all sorts of helpful materials on our website. Until tomorrow, remember, that the best is yet to come.